welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and we have had a hell of a week in the in a smidgish. How you doing, yeah. Matt? I, I'm I'm doing all right. I, I you know I'll, I'm, I like to be open and candid with our with our audience, I, as I know you do too, Ben. So I'm tired, but. I've had a lot of shit to do, and a lot of it was very energizing, followed by being also being tired. So we're cruising and we're bruising. Yeah, today is going to hit hard and hit fast, except for oh! in the case of anything Matt has, in which case it will hit very slowly and softly. So a tale of two cities this week on fourth times the charm. Once again, if you would like to surpass our current biggest fan, Brennan, Kisses Brennan, then just shoot us a message on our Instagram with this week's password, which is going to be hiking boots, because we're going to have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Both Matt and I had very unique experiences over the past week and a half, and we are going to tell you all about them in the form of... Of everyone's favorite, a top 10 list for both things we did. Numbered lists make the world go around. It, it, this is this is the format of America. They're the easiest way to build anticipation for something. Matt, what is your favorite top 10 content creator? I mean, I think, I think Watch Mojo. Watch Mojo is the king and God. They're the BuzzFeed of top 10 videos. Um, they make videos literally about nothing. And like, I I think I watched a watch mojo video where they listed the top 10 films made by a director in chronological order. And the the director had released 12 films. And so they just started like after his two and just kept going for me. My favorite is game trailers back when they were a thing you remember game okay. trailers matt and their video game top tens with stuttering yeah, craig i i was a big fan of the original youtube machinima channel and yeah. and, and some the, so the an early gem of the internet that i is i think largely forgotten now it might have been niche but who knows everything on youtube kind of was at that point um <clears throat> was the independent halo 3 machinima and tricked and tips videos because there Mm. were so many of like how to do this hack how to do this glitch watch me nade 10 dudes um and then people making because the the success of red versus blue the greatest machinima project ever made led to like this like burst of creativity on youtube of people using halo and the the options halo offered to make machinima we've never seen a game since i think offer the tools that were built into that game that halo offered halo 3 specifically offered it has yet to be surpassed see my version of red versus blue was the legend of zelda the abridged series by a youtuber named adam west slapdog and i gotta say I'm terrified to watch it back. Oh, he yeah. actually didn't finish his last series until I think last year. So he had oh, wow. a YouTube series 
and he just did everything but the last like two episodes eight or nine years ago holy shit and then he just posted the last like video or two maybe two years ago and it was it was wild and i will never go back and watch any of them because i am sure it has not aged as well as middle school me thought it did i i've had a, a similar experience but in a different vein so red versus blue was big for me when i was a kid i loved it i have like the full dvd collection and everything and i was one of the er- very early subscribers to the actual rooster teeth youtube channel um when they started doing extra videos not not, not red versus blue stuff but gaming videos and their original minecraft series with like i cannot remember for the life of me what they're like gamer groups with like michael and gavin were but and that i i went in like ebbs and flows with them as content creators like through like middle school and high school and i i finally stepped away after you know five plus years of like deep fandom but i kept following them on like some social media and i stayed subscribed to their youtube channel so i'd see the videos but i'd never watch any of them and like three months ago I was like, man, I should go to the Rooster Teeth YouTube channel and like see what's going on. And what used to be like a rage, like nerdum video channel has become like, I don't know. It feels like scarily corporatized from because it feels like this, these characters and these people have existed in the way they are for so long that it's now turned into something different where on the opposite end of it last the last podcast on the left has managed to like persevere in their own characters without like feeling like over distilled but like i'm just like watching some of like the 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 uh, what's it called the the thumbnails here in their youtube channel and I'm like, it's the same people. I recognize like Gus. I recognize like Barbara Dunkelman. Gavin's here. There's a bunch of people I also don't recognize. And like, as they say, the exact same animation style. It's just, I'm like disturbed. So Matt, normally I would encourage this, but I feel like this is actually a really deep discussion that could take up a whole podcast of like a then versus now of some of the old YouTube shows that really got popular. I was about to mention the Irate Gamer. Oh, yeah. And not only the Irate Gamer, but the Fuck our original idea. Let's go. Yeah. But not only that, the Online Gamer. You remember that, Matt? The Online Gamer? I don't think so. It it was a really popular YouTube series for a while, but it was literally just a guy pretending to be an adult who raged at Call of Duty, which sounds so stupid now, and it really is. It is not funny anymore, or, you, you, or probably never was funny, but as yeah, a no. middle schooler, it was the funniest shit on the planet, and I'm so embarrassed to admit that now. I, I just clicked on a... I, I went to find a video. So there's there's a couple videos on YouTube that I remember were like the first ones I ever saw, and this was the first YouTube video I, I remember like watching on my own, and it i i i clicked i typed it in and when i you know what you know what i saw when i when i looked at how long ago it was posted what man it says 14 years ago yeah that's about right 
And this is like 2007, so this is early YouTube. I remember when this had like star ratings on it, and didn't it said like had under a hundred thousand views because something having over a million views was like a big deal on this platform at the time. All right, all right. This is this is another podcast. Oh. We can do this in like two weeks after our next five stars under fifty. I think this is a great topic, but we're so not the here Nika to talk Hita about channel that today. Has changed so much today. We are going to head into some spelunking territory as we fall down the mine shaft Ooh. of the top ten tastrophe. You say top ten tastrophes? A top ten tastrophe, like a catastrophe of top ten. It's a top ten tastrophe. That's the name. And this is the intro. Hello, welcome to Top 10 Tastrophe. I am Ben alongside Matt. Today, we have two very separate top 10s that we're going to use to highlight both of our recent journeys. Matt went to Riot Fest in Chicago, Illinois, and myself, I hiked across an entire fucking island. Yeah, so I, I became a super spreader. And Ben went into his adventure as one. That's not true. I am not contagious anymore. My taste has partially come back. We're still working on those extra taste buds. But now, Matt, it's strange because certain flavors have come back more than others. The flavor oh? that's come back the most is beef. I can Wait, really what? taste beef super Weird. well. Weird. Like while we were hiking, I had these beef sticks and they yeah. were amazing. On the other hand, like sour flavor has Gone. not come back yet can you can you just eat a lemon like an apple probably let's find out cut to a video i don't, ha I don't have a lemon and this is a podcast so a video so wouldn't do much it would do well on the on the on the on the the instagram that would go viral anyway matt uh who wants to take the lead and explain their journey through the top 10 things to know about both Riot Fest and also hiking across Catalina Island off the coast of Southern California. I, I feel I feel like the important thing is is drawing the connections between each of our points along the journey. I, I can hit I can hit the crowd with a quick overview of, of where why and when I went to Riot Fest. But I, I, I think I think my journey can parallel yours in, in a beautiful <laughs> ten to ten, nine to nine list combo. Sure, sure. We'll we'll go ahead with that, Matt. That's the development that happens on air for our guests. So I, I this is Riot Fest uh, 2021. Um, I was nervous about going, um, but uh, there's enough bands and I love live music and I wanted to support them and I'm vaccinated. So I felt excited to go. This is my fourth Super Riot Fest. Super spreading mark. Yeah, hell yeah, baby. Um, this is my fourth Riot Fest and arguably the third best one okay i i think it was good okay. but it was a little strange and and we'll get we'll get to day three because kyle won't listen to this but day three was a bit weird it was very fun don't get me wrong but it was like a bit different because like i'm when i go to festivals i'm usually alone and i usually just exclusively do my own thing and i kind of like engage with the product that way i like kyle and cherry i do too i had a great time with them but it was different and it kind of like threw my brain off oh okay i see yeah like i didn't have like it wasn't bad it was just like things it were was like just very different 
Yeah, well, you'll, we'll, we'll get to that in my top 10 because my top 10 has a semi-chronological order because that's how I remember the things happening. Yeah, yet. mine also does. So my fiance took me to Catalina Island. We hiked for four days and stayed there uh, four nights. So we were technically there five days. Did we you were like- literally there five days. Did you at any point during the hike, like, spend time in any particular part? Or did you just keep walk every day? No, we, we walked every single day. We needed all of that time to get across the island. We took that, the Trans-Catalina Trail. Was that the objective? Yes. So it was... So I, I, I had many a discussion about, uh, with, with some of our friends about you going on this hike. Really? Um, yeah, we were very interested. Um, and the thing that I was curious about is, and this is, this is going to set, this is going to set an important tone for me for, for how I treat your hike. Okay. Um, was the hike about the achievement? The hike was about Rebecca. No, I, yeah. For you, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm ha- I know why you went on the hike, Ben. That's not a question. I'm asking was the hike about the achievement was yeah. it well, was it, was, it about being able to say and having accomplished a thing well it was both really so it's about being in nature and it's about enjoying the views and the sights and the vistas but it's also but about but how, how do you spend time in viewing them if you just walk past them well we'll get into that but the also a big part of it is just the accomplishment of saying hey i hiked over 40 miles across yeah, okay. a mountainous island and so like ach- i fucking did it so the achievement was part because i get that that she that like because i for me if like i could i would love to do what you guys did that it sounds really cool but it would have to be like framed around the achievement or right. it would have to be three times longer part of it is that as you're hiking you're taking in the scenery well, of course, yeah. Right? So it's not like if you just sit down in the middle of the ground and look around, it's like, I mean, yeah, sure. But there's flat bits and dips and rising. So you sort of take in the whole area as you're hiking along. I don't feel like I missed anything, I guess, is is a way to say it. Okay. I, I just, I've always, when I'm in nature, I've always found a lot of, like, enjoyment and peace with, like, spending time in like a specific area and like getting comfortable and exploring and then like if if, if i was doing your trip i would have done it over eight days and spent a like hike one place sleep spend the next whole day just in that like small area and then the next day hike to the next spot respectfully matt you would have been bored shitless if you did that the I, way you, that the Trans Catalina Trail is designed is that uh, Catalina Island, I believe, is about 21 miles long. Okay. The trail is roughly 40 miles. So, oh, so in a okay. way, the trail is taking you through all of the sites you would want to explore on Catalina Island. And there are some extra places you can go to, like the highest peak on Catalina is technically not quite on the trail. There's some optional routes you can take but for the most part i mean i saw 90 percent of the island overall just from walking around it sure yeah i guess i guess i have i guess i have a very like in the mountains like forest mindset 
Right. Well, it also depends on the type of island you're going to also, right? So this yeah. is a Southern California island. There are forests and there are trees, but there is also a lot of open looks fields like, and such. It looks like a lot of like sandy pathway. Like I'm looking at a lot. Of, I'm looking at photos of it right um, now. Not like, so much. It, it depends well, what sand, pathways but... you're on. The, the I, Well, also something you have to keep in mind Man, is that tired. when you make it to your campsite, which for the most part shouldn't take all day. So, like, oh. we had one day where we were only hiking for, you know, three and a half hours. Oh, and you have the okay. rest of the day to look around at your surroundings and get camp set up. See, so, it's I, not like I, you're going 100% the whole day, except unless you aren't prepared for what a certain day has in store, which we experienced. See, in my in my head, you guys were hiking, like, six and a half hours a day, if not longer. So because like because I I with a, when my friends and I uh, some friends I know in, in Colorado planned out hiking the Colorado Trail, yeah, it was like you know eight and a half hours of walking every day because so, it was about the achievement. It wasn't right. about like in like it was about hiking the whole thing, not so about. So it was a chilling. mix. Uh, day okay, one, that's good. We that hiked. Yeah, day one we hiked roughly eight and a half hours, but that included a break in between. Mm-hmm. And that was our hardest one. Day two was, I want to say, like six hours. Oh, nice. Day three was really short. That one was only about three and a half hours. Then day four mm-hmm. was, I think, five and a half hours. Oh, wow. So, and you have to remember also, you're waking up with the sun. So yeah. you're getting up earlier and you can't really stay up that much late because you're tired yeah. from hiking. So you really do get a chance to both go hard and then also level out a bit afterwards. Yeah, so I guess I guess with that structure, that makes a lot of sense. Because there's different ways, I think, of backpacking, which is like destination backpacking and achievement backpacking. Yeah. This would like, definitely fall into the achievement backpacking, okay. but it was such a thorough backpacking through this island. And once again, just to reiterate... Well, it's a true through hike. You're by, doing the whole thing. Right. By saying backpacking, we all had packs which weighed between 30 to 45 pounds each, 30 to 50 pounds or so. Man, you were going to piss off some, all of our fans who are backpackers with that one. Why? Oh, like, because in the backpacking community, from at least the people I know, there's like, a, it's like a very, it's like, like maximizing your weight is the most important thing in the world. Like, like the, the, like having the most minimal low weight as possible in the name of hiking longer and more efficiently. So Rebecca and I went with a mutual friends couple and Mm -hmm. their packs were 10 pounds heavier each than ours. If not more. I feel feel really bad for them. So we win. They brought like a full pot with them, like a full cooking pot. uh, Yeah. See, that's, that's what I would do if I was going destination camping. Rebecca, (laughs) did a super good job of packing like the right food stuff that was really compact meanwhile these guys brought a fucking onion to cook ramen with what i mean i love that onion that onion is awesome are you serious yeah the onion became our mascot over the course of the trip that's beautiful and terrifying yeah they were gonna eat the onion with ramen but i think i persuaded them to not eat the onion and so oh. then it just became our mascot. So, you, Hail did Onion. You, 
Did you choose to preserve the onion out of respect? I chose to preserve the onion because it literally helped get me through this okay. the first day of this trip, the absurdity of having an onion. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Matt, how, how about you lead us out here? What is your number 10 item from your experience at Riot Fest, from your journey? So, so for my journey, um, it starts with before the event and the day of the first event. So I was, I'm always very trepidatious about getting and parking around Riot Fest, not because I am nervous about And, and putting... just to be clear, Matt, for the two people who don't yeah. know what Riot Fest is, what, what type of music are they playing there? Oh, okay. So Riot Fest is a, is a famous Chicago festival that focuses primarily on rock, punk, and kind of like the pop punk alternative scene. So think think of Warp Tour, but a little bit more broad. So to quickly cover the main headliners so you get an idea. So the main headliners this year were Morrissey and Alkaline Trio on the first day. Second day was the Smashing Pumpkins and Lupe Fiasco and No Effects. Day three was Run the Jewels, Rise Against, Dropkick Murphys, Rancid, and Taking Back Sunday. And the headliners for Sunday were Slipknot, Machine Gun Kelly, The Flaming Lips, and Devo. Yes, Devo, the Whippet Band. I saw the B-52s at the last Riot Fest, and that was Did one of the most incredible it, sets. Oh, they whipped it hard. They whipped it good? They did. It was amazing. Um, so that's that's the festival. It's in a place called Douglas Park in Chicago. Now, depending on who you are... The area around Douglas Park can be described as kind of sketchy. I don't think it's that bad, um, but it has a reputation, especially the reputation from years prior. So there's a lot of like trepidation around certain people who go to Riot Fest. And I don't like parking near Riot Fest because either you end up getting a ticket um, or you pay someone to park. Otherwise, you're parking far away. Now, thankfully this year... And to get to my number 10 on my list of 10, I had a friend who lives near Riot Fest and who offered me free parking. And I was like, oh, man, they're like, you can park in our driveway. We have like a gated house with like cameras and everything. And I'm like, that's amazing. So I decided to park there. I then realized it was 1.2 miles <laughs> from a festival that I was going to be at all day. And I'm, I'm not opposed to walking like, like Ben. I enjoy the idea of backpacking and long hiking. Um, this was just rocking on concrete for a mile. And let me tell you, that first day, I went the wrong way, and it oh, was no. kind of sketchy. Because uh, you can turn left and take, like, a, ve- a slightly longer walk through, like, a, like, main street to another main street. I took the, like, back alley side street route that Google took me on because it was literally the fastest way, and I had no idea. Now, <clears throat> I feel safe. I'm a large guy. No, I'm not making any problems, but it was just like, it felt like I was a kid again. Cause I was like, Ooh, I don't know where I'm going and I'm nervous, but this was a great example of one second. I think we'll get to it with Ben <clears throat> is that long journeys sometimes reap the best rewards. And my top 10 experience of the whole thing, which almost was near the top, but it fit perfectly here was I walked back to my car every night at the end of Riot Fest and I'd usually have, you know, headphones in, hood up or, you know, you know, hands in the pockets and just power walk there. 
Saturday night, I had a friend with me who I was driving home. So me and him were walking and talking. And so I was really looking around, paying attention. He was kind of nervous because he's not, he's not used to the area. And I was really examining every corner and nook. And then I'm about to cross the street. <coughs> God, COVID. <coughs> I was getting ready to cross the street by a KFC. And I see three people sitting in front of the KFC. And I'm like, man, it's 11 o'clock at night. Why are those dudes sitting in front of the KFC? So I start looking around. I'm like, is there a bus stop? Are these dudes just drunk after Riot Fest? And there's nothing. And I'm like, weird. Maybe they're waiting for something. And I ignore it. And I keep talking to my friend. But as we get closer, I look. And I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. And I'm like, who who does that remind me of? I couldn't even put my name on, tongue on it. But I was as I was walking closer, I was like, for some reason, I was imagining the guy would have face paint on the other side of his face. And I was like, oh, shit. That kind of looks like Darby Allen. The AEW superstar. And as I kept walking and I eventually got like directly in front of him and like face to face. I I just start staring because as Ben knows, I stare. He has to stop me from staring at things in public sometimes. Um, I'm staring and I'm like, that's fucking Darby Allen. And then he looks at me like, oh God, no. With like, 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 why is this random person staring at me? And then I just look him in the eye and I mouth without saying it out loud. Darby Allen? With like a queer question on my face. And this, and it was like a kid in a candy shop. He just like slowly grinned and was like, yeah. And it was one of the coolest moments of the whole weekend. But it comes in at number 10 because I had to walk another half mile after that. And my feet hurt like a motherfucker. But I very momentarily met Darby Allen, gave him a fist bump. And then bolt, and then just sped walk away because I didn't want to elongate the social interaction and make it awkward. That's my number ten. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it was really cool. And you guys thought we weren't gonna have wrestling in this episode. Everything <laughs> Bring comes it back around, to wrestling, baby. Yeah, that's super cool. I feel like that's about the best Darby Allen experience you could have. Oh, and and after talking to a couple other people, I'm pretty sure Ethan Page was sitting next to him, but I did not recognize him at the time. I completely no sold him and only talked to Darby. Oh man, I love Ethan Page. I didn't I, know that. I, in, oh, in, in retrospect, I did too. There was a dude sitting next to him, and when I described that guy to, to our friend Nick, Nick was like, "Was it this guy?" And he showed me a picture of Ethan Page, and it totally was. Oh no, Ethan Page is awesome. I watched Not- Ethan Page wrestle Ricky <laughs> Shane Page when he sucked in Hornswoggle in a triple threat match, and I've never seen one wrestler wrestle two absolute nothings as well as he did that night that man wrestled two brooms and made it passable i love ethan page i i i, I do too uh, shout out to ethan page but um i i was there popping for darby allen i literally called ben that night i was my friend that i was with had no idea what just happened and i was like so overjoyed i had to share it with someone who would understand well my number 10 matt Okay. My, my number 10 thing to know about backpacking Catalina is that there are bison who rule Catalina Island oh and you do not want to fuck with bison. <laughs> oh, God. So apparently there was a film shoot in the 1910s or 1920s sure. where they put about a dozen bison on the island and they just left them. 
Unlike oh. a bunch of the other invasive species on the island, people actually like the bison. So instead of removing them, they just put uh, birth control, like physical birth controls on them somehow. And because of that, they can thrive on the island in their herds huh. and it prevents them from overpopulating because there's no winters and there's no natural predators of them on the island. Will With that said, there are a lot of bison on the island and there are varying warnings. Do not get between 50 and 125 yeah. feet of these guys because like they can, Matt, what is the top speed of a bison? I'm going to go with 22 miles an hour. 35 miles per hour is the top speed of a bison. It can jump over six feet in the air. So these guys like, yeah, these guys don't fuck around. So So we have our first hiking day. We're sitting down for a break and we'll get to what a torture that first day was. (laughs) But then we see a bison come by. And we're like, whoa, that's cool. I'm like, oh, it's a buffalo, yeah. And then he gets closer. Then he gets closer and he starts heading towards camp. And everyone gets their shit and they go away as fast as possible. Holy fuck. And do you know what that bison did, Matt? What? He rubbed his chin on the metal pole because he was itchy. And then he walked away. What a bro. What a bro. We saw tons of bison on the trip. We saw entire herds of bison. um, And we saw lots of bison poop. In areas where I'm not sure how bison could get up there, but they obviously did relatively recently. We also saw at one of the campsites, yeah, there was someone driving a, um, not a forklift, but what's the, what, what's the big ATV? M- no, it's the big mechanical device that raises and lifts dirt. A bobcat? A bobcat, but like one size up. Uh, uh, a scooper yeah sure we'll just say an industrial size scooper what, what they're trying to flatten out some land and they were doing it in front of this bison mm-hmm. and homeboy was getting pissed yeah i bet he's fucking up his territory yeah so at first he like lied down and he was like this isn't my problem and Ooh, then it, it was then. still there and the bison got up and was like you want to play and so the the uh driver just drove away it's called a skid steer loader. That's also, pro- I don't know. Sure, we'll we'll call no, no, it no. that. That's that's the name of that type of device. It is a All skid right. steer loader. Well, it didn't it didn't load shit off this steer because this steer was ready to party. Fuck All yeah. right, Matt. Number nine. Oh wait, but, but before we get to before we get to number nine, I got I got to share a bison story real quick because you inspired okay. me. Uh, I, I did a, I did a trip of America. We drove 7,000 miles across the U S, uh, during lockdown because no one was going to be around and we got to Yellowstone and I spent maybe 20 minutes within 50 to like a hundred feet of a bison who was just chilling right by old faithful up on one of the back trails. Right. I take a bunch of pictures of him. He had a best friend that was a bird that was hanging out with him the whole time. They were like looking at each other and he would, the, the bird would hop on his head and just chill out while the bison ate grass. <coughs> but I was like, that's really cool. Bison are crazy and scary, but they're pretty. We left 
Two days later, a woman got killed at Yellowstone. Oh, no. Because she tried to go up and take a selfie with a bison. Never take a selfie with a bison. They're fucking terrifying. They'll rip you to shreds. But bison are beautiful. They should be protected. And the meat tastes good. All right, now, Matt. Number nine. Oh, num- yeah. Also, also, Matt, our fucking... They, they have something on Catalina Island called buffalo milk that they sell. It's not actually buffalo milk. I, if you advertise something called buffalo milk, I want to drink fucking buffalo milk. Especially if you could have a buffalo. Damn. All right. Damn. Number nine at Riot Fest. The number nine thing that I learned in orcs and experienced at Riot Fest was the importance of sunscreen. Now, if sunscreen doesn't feature on Ben's list, he's forgotten the importance of it. No, I've just learned this lesson so long ago that literally we went through an entire can of sunscreen, more than uh, across the length of our trip. Yes, yeah, so I forgot sunscreen the first day because I left in a oh, hurry no. and I didn't want to be late. And man, was I... Well, actually, it was the second day. The first day, I didn't get there till the evening. But the... The, fir- the first day I was there for the entire day from 11 to 11, I had no sunscreen and I was wearing short shorts and a tank top. It was sunny. Oh. I was miserable. It was incredibly dusty. And I just wished I had had sunscreen. And no, and an example of one of the greatest op- missed uh, marketing opportunities, no one was selling sunscreen at Riot Fest. Yeah, that's a big miss. They could have had $5 branded mini sunscreens with like... <coughs> U.S. Capital Bank printed on it or some bullshit. And that would have sold like hotcakes. They didn't have that at all. It was lame. I got sunburned. But I feel better, and it was not as bad as the time Ben got sunburned in Florida. No, it certainly isn't. Seconds, Matt. Seconds was all it took. Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, it my... Was, ben, Ben's experience with, with, with sunburn is is one of utter pain. And very quickly learning to respect that the pain will come at any time. I'm very thankful that my fiance forces me to put on sunscreen liberally, constantly. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy my wife does the same. Yep. <laughs> my number nine is no matter how big your bag is, hide it somewhere. Our first night, Matt, right before we start hiking... So okay. it's our, our, our last night before we start getting hot and sweaty. We're at a campsite. The, yeah, on we're on the island. the island. Yeah, we okay. took a ferry over to the island. Cool. Which, remember people, if you get nauseous easily, don't go inside the ferry. Stay yep. outside. I learned that also in Florida. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so we make it to the island. For some reason, they were very limited in the type of uh type of gas canisters they had so for you to you know a little portable um gas canisters so you could heat up food while you're mm-hmm. on the trail they were very limited so we had to wait on that till morning blah 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 but for the purposes of this we have our tent set up but we have these 30 40 pound packs Mm-hmm. We're like, well, we'll just leave them outside on the table. Should be fine. Oh, no. We wake up and almost everything is still there except for our deodorant, shampoo, and our bagels 
They they took what? a roll. They took a stack of bagels from like inside the bag. So there is apparently twenty eight homeless people on <laughs> Catalina Island, oh. and we theorized that one of them got the bagel. So it was not the strongest way to start off our hike. I I, I gotta say. I, so I, I so if you I've don't have a place. My, my bags next to me at night while I'm sleeping in my yeah, tent. Yeah, but they're just literally too big to fit inside the tent. So most of the places had like little lockers you could put, or big lockers you could put them in that are like bear proof. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's, that's very, that's very, that's very, uh, high tech, which is nice. Not sure if high tech's the right word, but uh, well, high tech like, for bears. Not, well, I was going to say high tech on, on a camping trail because a lot of backpacking trails like the Appalachian Trail, there's not really camping sites. There's just places you can camp. And the version of a bear box is tying your bags up in the top of a tree. Yeah, that's fair. And like having like designated camping spots with like actual like steel lockers is really nice. It's like a, yeah. it's a sign of like a no, well-maintained, totally. yeah. well-funded camping At area. At every stop on the island, there was like a water hose oh, where you shit. could actually okay. keep hydrated, which we will get to in a later point. Oh, no. But, yeah. But, uh, Matt, number number eight, you're, you're burning at Riot Fest. What happens? Uh, well, so I was burning at Riot Fest. Uh, it was the first day. It was the first full day. I'll get to the the first night there because that's relevant to my my number like two, but Saturday I got there first thing like first thing in the morning because I wanted to see a band called Spider. They were disappointing. Um, I went over and ran and saw Just Friends, who I remembered <coughs> from when I was a kid, and they were you know they were them, um, but also Guar was playing early on in the day, and for those who don't know who Guar is. Guar's a metal band that has an incredibly detailed stage show where they sacrifice models of like all of the presidents and spray the crowd in fake blood and fake alien cum. It's a wonderful time. It's everyone's just there for the show. Um, but what? Alien cum? Yeah, they, they shoot cum all over the crowd. I, if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen the video of the lead singer who they all wear these detailed full alien costumes because they're scum lords from space. And the lead singer's costume has these four giant penises on it um, that come out from, I think, a vagina that he has in the middle with four dicks coming out each side. And he was using it to shoot uh, brown blood and cum all over the crowd with it and they also have these giant like penis cannons that they use to spray crowd surfers in the face with green liquid huh and after i saw them i went to see a band called four years strong who i had heard of i kind of who they were and they were all right in the past but this year they really showed up and it, it, it served as a moment to remember that one of the best things to do at a festival is to just go see those bands that are playing because they'll really surprise you. And that mindset actually paid off later in the festival, which you'll hear about later. Ben, what was your number eight? Ooh, all right. Well, let's get into the meat of the trip, Matt. The potatoes. Elevation over distance is everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> 
So I wake up ready for our first day of actual hiking. And I turn over and I see my beautiful fiance. And her eyes are bugged out and she's saying, oh shit. I go, what's the problem? She says, uh, the trail today is steeper than I thought it was. I go, oh, it's all right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been psyching myself up for this for a while. We, we spent months practicing hiking with our backpacks yeah. to prepare for this trip. And so we literally did a hike, which I couldn't quite complete, but we got close, which she said was double the difficulty of the worst part of Catalina. So I'm like, Great. if I could do that pretty well, I can do anything. So I told her, we've done this. Well, we've done this before, right? And she goes, yep. That's all she says. Oh. So we get to the trail, and the first mile and a half is the hardest hike I've ever done in my life. (laughs) There's a certain level of exhaustion where you start going up the mountain, and you're really hot, and you get up the first switch back and you go wow i don't feel like i should be this out of breath that's when you know you're fucked wow so we keep going up the mountain and my number of breaks starts getting more and more frequent so my fear heading into this trip my only fear is that i would be holding everybody up yeah and i felt like for this first leg of the trip because i don't know how difficult this actually is i feel like my worst Mm -hmm. fear is coming to fruition where I am holding up everyone and it's going to be like this for the next four days. So I am struggling. Like we're having to stop towards the top about every hundred feet, every 50 feet. And like when I need to stop, I need to stop. Stop. Because I, you you know, the grape lady, Matt, I sounded like the grape lady. Great. (sighs) Oh, (sighs) like you were dying. Yeah, yeah. I I legitimately at a certain point was like, I do not know how I'm going to be able to get to the top of this. So it was, we got about a mile in and I knew how long it was. So I knew it was a mile and a half and then we'd be through this part. Yeah. So we get a mile in and that last half mile was arduous. It took us forever to get up there. Oh, and no. at a certain point, Rebecca goes, well, you know, there's less than a half mile left. There's less than a half mile left. I can just take your pack and take it up to the top and then I can come get you. And I'm like, no, because at this point, fuck it. <laughs> I, I've gotten this far, right? I, if yeah. I let her take my pack the rest of the way, you've given it's up. It's like I'm pussing out, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, I, this I know is one of the hardest things. So I go, I want to do this. I'm like, I don't know, because we at first thought the third day was going to be the steepest. Okay. So I'm like, well, look, maybe we can find an alternate route on day three or something that's less hard. But I'm going to do this at least. Yeah. So I am practically crawling, but I finally make it to the top of the mountain with my backpack on. Rebecca right next to me. Yeah. We sit down and Rebecca goes, so you know how I said that... uh, that 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 one hike we did a while ago it was you know about a thousand feet of mm-hmm. elevation per mile she was like you know how i said that was going to be twice as hard as the hardest oh. part of this trip i go yeah she's like that part we just did was actually as hard as that trail 
uh-oh, you just actually got through it this time, and it was a bit longer and a few feet Holy steeper. Holy shit. Yeah, with heavier packs on as well. So, I would feel... I don't even know how I would feel at that point. I felt fucking good. Are you yeah. shitting me? Like, having actually gone through that, I, I think she might have actually told me that later in the day. But That's actually, yeah, that, that is a good feeling. Yeah, because, like, this is something I physically could not have done before. Yeah, My legs were literally noodles when I was trying it, and this was only three weeks or so ago. Well, was it when you got there, or did you feel like that, like, your body was, like, sapped of anything left? Well, we sat at the top once we got there for a good 45 minutes, and mm-hmm. we had snacks and stuff to just okay. catch up, and we had water to drink from our packs and there was this random guy who ran over to us he left his backpack there and he was running on this trail and like you know he was so sweaty matt okay that his shirt was not just drenched in sweat it was like drenched in the sunscreen that he had sweat off also so there was like a three-tone sweat on his shirt that's how sweaty he was oh no yeah this trail was legit, and it's also bright sun, almost no shade, 90 degrees outside, no wind chill. Oh, so you're suffering. So that was suffering. Now, after that, elevation over a mile only goes so far, because what ends up happening is we still have six and a half miles to go. I think longer, actually. Yeah, longer. We had a mile and a half. Jeez to two miles to get to a camp so we could have like quote unquote lunch which is where we found out our bagels were gone and so (laughs) instead of having bagels i had cold rice packets oh no and a spoonful of almond butter and let me tell you matt almond butter does not fucking taste good you mean it doesn't it does it doesn't provide everything you needed it does not taste good so in the interim going up and down the hills to follow they're better but they're still not good because it's like oh it's relatively flat yeah from here to the campsite well no it's not you go down and then you go up you go down steep and then you go up steep oh so you you have a you have breaks but name only so we make it that extra two miles we lie down we we rest for a legit hour Within that first four miles, Matt, I drank four liters of water. Holy shit. Uh, or I'm sorry, three liters of water, which actually leads into my next point. I'll just say it now. We can we can alternate to next. But there is no such thing as too much water. On well, that first okay. day, I had five liters of water, more than five liters of water. Wow. Just because we were going through that freaking much. Yeah, you you were just hitting that much at the time. Yeah. So I mean I yeah, I mean yes, you can die from drinking too much water, but when well, you're you can hiking make, you can make yourself on these vomit. trails like yeah, you have to pace yourself of course, but I mean when you're at the point where you're drinking essentially just under 1 liter of water per mile. Yeah. Like you gotta check yourself before you get wrecked, son. Yeah, or you're gonna make you're gonna kill yourself. Yeah, day one was the worst. 
And then from there, we had... So, we're resting. Then the bison comes, so we pretty much have to leave after that. Yeah, you gotta fuck off. And what adds insult to injury, if it wasn't for Rebecca, all four of us, we probably would have... Uh, just taking like a taxi the rest of the way. It was that bad. You would have just, you would guys would all just Because everyone else was complaining and tired and hungry and we hated life. And Rebecca, bless her, she like forced everyone to be like, no guys, we can do this. We can go. And we did it. And the only reason we did it was because she like forced us to do it. And I'm glad she did. But what really added insult to injury was watching the taxis and especially the tour groups passing us by taking pictures and looking at us like we're zoo animals wait so wait so like is the does the trail itself trail, like parallel but next the to the road? trail parts of it do parts of it oh. parallel, but it's not like a real road it's like an access road a fire road okay. they call it yeah okay that makes sense so there were parts where like there was one part where a bison was on the trail and the ranger yeah. was like just take the fire road around it oh <laughs> just, just yeah just Okay. We watched people like almost falling down in the side of the mountain because they were trying to walk around the bison. Okay. Which was hilarious. Um, because they didn't die. If yeah. they did get dead, that would not be funny anymore. But no. uh, yeah, at a certain point when the tour groups would go by, I would just start doing the royal wave towards them. You know? Oh, like, hello, good people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, hey, hello. everybody. What's up? I'm signing autographs over at booth 17. All right, Matt. That was you, that was my number pay, eight would, and my number pay, seven. Would you pay sixty dollars for those autographs and a full day of activities at a fan event for you? You like double negative to me in that question, so now I don't know. Bois. Okay. Okay. It's number seven. Matt's number seven. So one of my favorite things, and I'll, I'll parallel this to hiking and, my, and the times I've gone hiking or traveling. One of my favorite things to do is meet like the old dude who's been doing it for like 20 years. It's just like, yeah, I've been to this festival in 97. I remember when I, when I hiked this trail and I actually got to have that experience this year at Riot Fest. Awesome. Uh, I was, I was waiting for Rise Against to play on the second day. And we had just ran over to their set and we were there like 40 minutes early because we didn't really need to see anyone else while we waited. And we wanted to be, I wanted to be right up front for Rise Against because I love them. And some people in big festivals, you just sit down while you wait. There's no point to stand up. So we just, we just popped a squat and these people next to us were just like, well, that's a good idea. So they sat down too. And it was this like, this young woman who had uh, traveled to a bunch of different festivals, and then there's this old guy who kind of looked like uh, a guy from uh, a guy from Screen Junkies, Steve Mance, and he was just like the nicest guy. But it was very fun talking to like the old school elder, Be- like and he was like telling his stories about going to like the original Lollapalooza and like going to like Bonnaroo like 20 years ago or like going to the very first riot fest and all this stuff, which was amazing. It was super fun. And then it's awesome. me, and me and him got to have this conversation where we just like chit chatted about seeing like old classic rock bands at like weird festivals. Like I saw the remaining members of Leonard Skinner play at the chili fest. And it was literally a chili festival in the middle of like Western Illinois and Leonard Skinner headlined to a full, like a full arena crowd, but just the floor, not the stadium. Wow. 
It was wild. We were in the VIP section eating chili. Was it good chili? It was excellent. It was award winning. Wow. That that's what's most impressive. God, I really wanna I really want chili cook offs to make a comeback. Right? I want food related cook offs to come back because it's so yeah. awkward for people to share food now. I want I wanna go to like a pizza off where like you can sign oh, up to be a awesome. judge. Right? Rebe- or like a Rebecca a went to a key lime pie. What? Uh, yeah, Rebecca judged a key lime pie eating competition when she was interning in Florida. Holy shit. And now she hates key lime pie. <laughs> so I think it really depends on the type of food you're judging. It was, uh, Big true. Key lime pie. It was key lime pie themed alcoholic cocktails. Ah, key lime pie themed alcoholic cocktails. Welcome That's to it. the That's... podcast, Rebecca. You're official oh, now. Yeah, I thought you were just talking to no. no, you're a charmer now, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, you're a charmer. She's always a charmer. Aww. Aww. All right. Well, my next point, Matt, this is actually my number six here. All Trails is a liar. It will lie to you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All Trails, for those who don't know, is generally the app you use to denote how long a trail is where your elevation gain or slopes drops off drop offs are and all trails for the most part works pretty well but on catalina island they literally were lopping off certain sections of the trip by miles at the end of day one we had gone 10 miles and it said we had traveled like seven it's just objectively not true that's so yeah yeah it, it's it's a it, all trails is like yelp it's a suggestion we hike over 10 miles matt rebecca goes it says we have less than half a mile to go we just have a little bit of elevation and then we're at our campsite for the night which is called blackjack okay news flash to anyone going to catalina island every single campsite is preceded by about 300 feet of elevation gain which oh, after having fuck. hiked 10 miles and having done the hardest hike of my life already, that was hell. Looking up my uh, Apple Fitness, which I'm sure is Ooh. entirely mm. accurate. This is riveting content. Yeah. How many flights did I climb, Matt? Ooh. All right. Um, is it over 100? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to go with 322 flights of stairs. Over the course of the trip? Yeah. The whole the whole time. Well, the average was 100 floors per day. Holy shit. In four days? Yeah. So day one was 176 floors. Day two was 191 floors, and we did 71 floors of elevation within one hour. Wow. Day... Or, no, these are... Oh, it's combining days now. So, anyway, my top days were 176 floors, 93 floors, and then 191 floors. Those were my three big days these are these are the moments where i really wish i had a smartwatch so i could have tracked my fitness the days Over that riot one fest. hour matt we went up 71 flights you you know in ghostbusters 
No, it's Ghostbusters at the end where they have to go up the tower by the stairs. We literally did that. We did that in real life, Matt. You're you're like those kids who didn't know how to do the backflip glitch in Super Mario and thought they could just run up the stairs eventually. No. No, we just suffer. We just suffer. But we did it. We made it through night one. At the end of night one, my lower back was hurting so badly I could not sit up. I had to lie down. Mm-hmm. Which is a really strange feeling. I was still yeah, grape ladying like all the way up till nighttime. Rebecca made us mac and cheese for dinner, which tasted so much better to me than it actually did. Because I had it the next night when I was less tired, and it was not good. Oh, no. Punitive but, mac and cheese. But I I made it through the end of night one, and I woke up the next day ready and rearing to go. Matt, what's your number six? So my, num- my number six is very short and very straightforward. In the middle of day two, I decided I need a snack. And I didn't know that I forgot that Riot Fest had food trucks. So I got in the line for a corn dog. It was shockingly cheap, and it was one of the best corn dogs I've ever had. It was moist. It was long. It had a perfect coating, just the right amount of toppings on the side given to me. Excellent corn dog. I went back and I got a second one. I'm glad I had corn dogs. I'm going to talk again about the food. I would say Riot Fest had some of the best festival food I ever had because on the second day, they we decided to actually hit up the food trucks and I was able to get a Harold's fried chicken sandwich in the middle of a festival without leaving. And that was delicious. Fast festival food is some of the best food because it's, it's like eating while camping, but without, with a lot less suffering and a lot more fun. So what so is what, your, what, what's the actual thing for number six though? Just corn dogs are good. Yeah. Corn dog. I mean, it's like, it's that food. I mean, I food, like corn dogs. I was just, but food, food effect food affects the the experience of where you are and what you're Mm. doing and how food like the idea of having food at a festival compared to having like food while camping like i remember every time i've had a meal while on like a big camping trip it's like a super like exciting experience like you're relieved like you're resting you're done it's time to heat up your first meal have a big thing and then just like chill out or like finish the rest of your tasks and having that moment at a festival is very similar but instead of it being this like big like release and this like time to re- like like really take in needed calories, it, it's this experience of just like extra joy on top of what you're doing, but you're also getting that sustenance. And it was like the perfect thing to get me through both of those days. So what I will say, Matt, to counter that, my next point is that everything tastes good after a hike, yep. but not everything is good after a hike. That is also true. As I learned with my mac and cheese that night one tasted a little off but pretty delectable and night two was barely edible through no fault of my beautiful fiance. But, you know, mac and cheese without milk and butters Ooh. kind of doomed on arrival. Yeah, I wouldn't have made mac and cheese on a camping trip. Eh, well, you know, live and learn. C'est la vie. It, look if i was in charge with making food i would have just gotten like 12 cans of steak and shake chili all right yeah that's what you need so that's all you need beans it, it wasn't the only meal that was like that though to try and be cheap when we finally made it to camp on one of our last days which had like a little town there 
Yeah. I was like, okay, there's only one restaurant in town, kind of expensive, but hey, the general store, they make pizzas. I'm like, hey, are these pizzas good? They're like, well, they're, they're froze. They come in frozen, but like we heat them in an actual pizza oven. It's pretty good. Okay. We're starved. We Mm -hmm. eat pretty much the whole pizza pretty quickly. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is shockingly all right. It's like one step above DiGiorno. But once the cheese isn't like melty anymore and is congealed. Oh no. I realized that part of the meltiness from the cheese is actually the crust, which hasn't cooked all the way through. Oh. And it's just gooey, gooey, soppy, crappy These are not adjectives I want. No adjectives. And then I had crippling stomach acids that same night, which is the first time I've had stomach acid like that in forever. Five ever. This episode brought to you by Pepsid. Yeah, and we did not have Pepsid with us. Oh, no. So maybe that should be another point. Yeah, add that in your backpack. Yeah, so so don't get the general store pizza. It costs less money, but it's not worth it. It's never worth it. Bring in what you need. Natural fruits and vegetables. All right, Matt. Number number one, four? Number four? You're on number four. I'm on number five. All right. Well, hurry up, Matt. <laughs> Get over here. I'm, I'm trying. You keep going. I'll just do my next two back to back then because fuck you, Ben. So num- my number five was uh, my experience going to see a band who I greatly enjoy seeing live, but will never listen to on album. The Mighty Mighty Boston's. Ben, do you know who the Mighty Mighty Boston's are? I do ish. Oh wow! So they're they're a they're a very energetic ska band who has like seven instruments. Everything is very fun. There's trumpets. There's there's flutes. There's saxophones. There's guitars. It's a big wacky good time and. They they are they're a band too. If they're playing a festival, you set aside time to go see. And I think people who don't know who they are, and when you hear the description, you expect like a cool show, but not too much going on. And it was one of the hypest crowds of the whole weekend. And as someone who is like a comes across sometimes like a very serious metal guy, it it's like some of the most fun I have, and it's it's one of those experiences that reminds you that that like innocent kind of wacky just pure feel-good fun is so worth it it was one of the most satisfying experiences i had the whole the whole of the weekend and it was very interesting because i had never put it together in the same festival but ska fans thrash fans and hardcore fans all kind of do the same dance like the same kind of like moshing dance, but it's just yeah. a progressive layers of either going much faster or much slower. And it was great. Cause I was in a ska pit. Like, like there was like a circle pit for the ska band. And I'm like, I kind of know the ska dance, but I'm mostly like a thrasher, like hardcore person when it comes to those kind of crowds. And so I was just kind of doing my thing, but I realized if I just did it slow, I was doing the same thing as everybody else. And I think it's a very interesting intersection of culture where all the these three genres that you would usually never see a lot of overlap, especially admitted to overlap. I, I'll willfully admit that I, tra- I, I will traverse between all three, but I, there's a lot of very uptight fans in those genres who are like, you know, ska purists. They only listen to ska. That's their thing. 
thrash heads who only listen to thrash and hardcore kids who are obsessed with hardcore and that's it and their their niche group is the only group that matters and it was beautiful and one of the things i love about festivals like riot fest there's so much diversity that you see these guys who come off as like the elitist like centrist dudes who you see in the pit for like the one hardcore band playing you're like Man, I'm not going to see that guy going crazy for Mighty Mighty Boston's. And I saw like six of those dudes losing their shit, jumping along to some goddamn trumpet and singing about having a good time. And it, it's, it serves as a good reminder to always just try to have fun um, and to relate it to like hiking and, and experiences like that. When I'm on like a trip like that, I love just to take moments to find something like wacky and ridiculous, like whether it's like finding an old tire swing in the middle of the woods or spending 20 minutes trying to take a picture of an owl like that shit's just like a good relaxing way to like unleash the mind and if you saw the videos of the mighty mighty Boston's on instagram it was as awesome as it looked and i'm gonna parlay that into my number four because we're short on time i'm still really sleepy and ben's on number four and i'm taking it back and it's that sometimes the best things that can happen at a festival or an experience is something that's surprising Something you had no intention of engaging with, but completely captivated you. And for me, that happened on Sunday at Riot Fest when I saw the band Fever 333. Now, this guy, Fever 333, played what I would describe as like proto, like emo rap slash like hardcore rap. I don't know how he refers to himself or what genre what, his what, fans. What an interesting designation. Because it precedes what I would consider the current generation of emo rap. Emo rap and screamo rap has a very unique place that it sits within the <clears throat> metal emo rap genre right now. And Fever 333 really felt like a band that was doing that before the modern generation that's doing it right now was. But is still taking influence from a lot of the same original bands where... A lot of the people doing traditional emo rap and that kind of screamo rap style like Suicide Boys, um, like a bunch of other bands whose names slip my mind right now, but you know who I'm talking about. Oh, uh, Little Scars, Scar, yeah, Scar, Scar Lords, Scar Lords, Suicide Boys, those dudes, they have like their influences are like very clearly in like OG emo and in like Midwesterns, like mall emo and mall screamo which is a really big scene for like me too because that's kind of what i grew up with and this guy clearly had some of the same ideas when it came to how he wanted his music to sound but took more influences from like hardcore and from like rage against the machine and the ethos of the music to me is very similar but the approaches are different so it felt like a more proto version of that and I usually don't like that kind of music. I think some of it's good, but some of it's pretty lame. But this dude fucking killed it. The lead singer of this band and the rest of the band just went full send on their set. The dude climbed to the top of the rafters and performed an entire song while hanging slash dangling from a height that would kill him if he fell. Just hold like it was like fucking Shane McMahon, and he wrapped his microphone around one of the the top support beams so well that when he climbed back down, he tried to pull his microphone down, and half of it came down. So he was dragging it across the stage while it was looped up over a giant bar, and it was periodically coming unplugged. So he was carrying around two microphones. And at one point, he set up all the front of stage speakers, sprinted across all of them, and did did a front flip 
in and around the guitar player, the bass player, who was just jamming out and wasn't paying attention. And the other guy, I think, was trying to hit him, and it didn't work. And he just, like, landed, like, some, like, Cirque du Soleil shit. And I don't think... Was the music good, though? The music was good, too? Yeah, it was, like, well, it wasn't... This guy sounds like the once-in-a-generation performer. He he was. He he took what would have been a really... Like, if he just was, like, performing his music... It would have been so boring, but the way he sent it and performed was absolutely fucking insane. And it, it made it in like his message that he ended up proclaiming and fighting for and talking about was like super meaningful. And I think really relevant. He had this very like hardcore punk movement and message about equality, about representing women, about representing different people of color across the world, and about actually making change in the fucking world. And it was it was truly like a captivating moment hearing him after such a wild performance go into these like deeply punk hardcore speeches I've heard at tiny shows, but seeing it up on stage uh, with me then later seeing Rise Against and them doing a similar thing but on a much bigger platform was absolutely stunning i'll send you a video of him performing ben so you can get some context but we're gonna get to your number four right now oh yes we are matt so shockingly all this was day one day two we hiked up to the airport in the sky which is the one airport on the island okay and then we followed it on the way down to Little Harbor, which is a little tiny campsite right on the ocean. Uh, One of these points should have been, if you can find an opportunity to spend the night next to the ocean, do it because listening to the ocean while you fall asleep, the real ocean is one of the most relaxing, awesome things you can do. Yeah. It's, it's a, I've, I've done that a few times and it is like sleeping to the sounds of like, nature that is bigger than yourself is one of the greatest experiences in the world yeah but especially the ocean because it's so consuming and overwhelming yeah like it's bigger than you it's it's so much more powerful and massive than anything most humans can conceptualize and that's one of those experiences my lesson i got from this was don't go into the ocean if you have a blister on your foot oh fuck So I had a blister on my foot from all this hiking. We hiked 10 and a half miles on day one, and we hiked about eight miles on day two. So we, the camp set up and Rebecca's like, oh, we should go into the water. Great. So walking into the water, I have what looks like a small blister, but nothing too bad. I go into the water, feels fine. And then all of a sudden I just feel like a sharp pain in my foot. Like, that's weird. No. So I'm like, well, it must have popped, but, like, I'm sure it's fine. And Rebecca's like, oh, do you want to go back? No, 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 I'm fine. As I keep walking, though, it starts hurting more. And more. So eventually I go, all right, I have to go back and see what's going on. So I I don't race back. I trudge Mm. back. I check my foot. And, you know, Matt, it's a truly strange feeling when you look at your foot and you see this blister yeah and it's green oh what it's not actually green what happened is the force of the ocean waves pushed sand 
into my open blister. Oh! And since it was only opened from the front of my foot, I had a pocket full of sand inside my freshly opened blister. No! What the fuck? That's worse than Calvair! So poor Rebecca needed to take out her knife, (gasps) slice open my blister the rest of the way to empty out the sand to prevent it from getting infected. Yeah, yeah. Make sure it was clean, then sanitize and wrap it up. Let me tell you, not a pleasant experience. Rebecca's now an amateur uh, pediatric surgeon. I'm glad it's pediatric. Yeah, so... Did, did I did I say the wrong one? Pediatric is for children. Fuck! What what's the what, what's the foot one? I I don't know. I would, I would just call her a trauma surgeon because that's what you sure she's a junior trauma surgeon now. Let me. I, I and I now have to Google what is a foot surgeon called? A podiatrist. Podiatrist. She's an amateur podiatrist. She did a wonderful job, although the bandages did cause me to have a second blister on my pinky toe. And then when I tried to take that one off, the tape actually pulled the blister off with it. Oh! (laughs) Yeah. And it also pulled part of the skin off of my the rest of my foot because it was... Too strong tape, but then we wrapped it up again, and then it was good for the rest of the trip. So, just keep that in mind, people. Yeah, that's a that's a lesson to learn. All well, right, Matt. All right, so now it's time for the top three. I'm gonna hit all three of these in a row because they kind of represent a similar idea. So, I have a very particular way in which I like to enjoy live music, especially rock and heavy metal. And, and hip-hop. I like to be up front. I like to be in the middle of things. And if there's a pit, I want to be in it. That is my mindset. That is what I go for in every show. And I'm almost always up front, regardless of if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Whether I need to leave early or I need to leave late, I push up and I enjoy. Because there's a certain sense of like chaotic beauty to being up front with a huge crowd. And on set, on Sunday night, when I was there with my friend Kyle... He didn't want to go to the front of Slipknot's pit because he wanted to leave early, which I was okay with because I was exhausted and had work the next day. But I've seen Slipknot live about eight times prior to this. And every single time I've seen them, I've been up in the front, in the middle of the pit, in the middle of everything. And for the first time, I watched them from the back. And in my head, the the majority of the people back there were doing what I expect when you're watching a show like that from in the back, which is just kind of like singing along and just standing there, which sounds lame and boring to me because it is lame and boring. <laughs> and I would never want to do that at a show because I'd be horrifically bored, especially if there was like a good crowd up front. Now, what I did see and what I did not expect was I saw like a good five to 10% of people that were back in the very back just going fucking wild like they were in the middle of a pit but just like by themselves or with like one other person and i was like you know i've never seen this that's fucking beautiful if if i did have that level of energy that's how i would do it no i just force you to go up to the front 
Yeah, that's fair. Well, I do go up to the front. I just go so far up that I'm not a part of it anymore. What? Oh, you Whenever just, you we just, go to you... a concert together, yeah, I just stay in the front. Yeah, like, that... in front of the pit. Yeah, well, yeah, that's well, that's the beauty about the front of the front of a show because you can either be in the squeeze or you can be in the pit. And the squeeze, while for really crazy shows can be a little chaotic, is not nearly as wild as the mosh pit. And they're, they're kind of two lenses of it. And if like, I'm tired, I go where Ben is, where it's like the pit usually happens like five to 10 rows of people back from the stage, unless it's a tiny show. And so then you can just kind of push up to the front where you just kind of jump and sing, which is always a good time too. Now to parlay that experience, my number two, my number one, the rest of the time. And for the rest of the bands that I saw, I was up in those pits. And let me tell you, I had some of the most fun I've had in some of the, those pits. I already talked about the Mighty Mighty Boston's. On the first day, I showed up late and saw the Circle Jerks, um, who are a fantastic, famous punk band. And they had a great pit. And it was my first band of the day. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I got to see the, the, the first of two local headliners who personify the to me one of the most important things about riot fest which is how fucking cool chicago is and how mm. amazing our live music crowd is because i've been to shows in multiple states and multiple countries and chicago has one of the greatest live music rock crowds in the entire goddamn world um, chicago is to uh your concerts the same way la in the new york area are for like indie wrestling yes I mean, even though Chicago is Chicago, even our indie wrestling reputation true is, is like, like there's a reason all out and all in, and all of them have been here in Chicago. There is a certain ambiance to the people here when it comes to live performance. And I think it's our like deeply, um, like the, the, both the Hispanic and the deeply Germanic aspects of the city. Cause both of those cultures are deeply embroiled in the ritual of live performance. And there is something that is so just intoxicating about seeing Chicago people seeing a Chicago band. And on the first night of the show, one of those bands is a band I've seen like probably nine times with my dad, but always in like sit down venues at like big theaters or at, at like bigger, quieter, calmer festivals. It's the Smashing Pumpkins. One of the most important bands in the 90s. Early rock and grunge and like Billy alternative Corgan rock. Billy Corgan owns yeah. the NWA. And that's the only reason why he's still doing Smashing Pumpkin stuff. Yep, to fund it. And he's I've, I've seen him at a small venue in the North Shore of Chicago called Ravinia. Where he did a solo show. Where he brought out the entire roster of the NWA onto stage to perform his last song with him and dance with him that's amazing it Billy was Corgan is the biggest money mark right now yeah oh yeah he's he's incredible and you know you know he's a money mark because this show was fucking wild and for the first time in my life i actually got to experience a smashing pumpkins mosh pit i managed to push all the way up to the front and everyone went goddamn crazy he played like two hours and it was just like a love fest in chicago there's he has has multiple songs like tonight tonight he has songs like zero bull my bounty all these songs 1979 where he sings about the about chicago and talks about what it feels like to be in the city and he has lines like the city by the lake and hearing a 
fucking fully packed Chicago crowd of mostly Chicago people sing that line to him without him needing to say a word. And it is a deafening level of volume from a crowd is one of the most incredible and like affirming things to be a part of the city. Um, and then that was doubly put when rise against showed up. Now rise against had to replace the absolutely incredible legend. So I was devastated to not see faith. No more faith. No more. We're supposed to be one of the headliners on Saturday, but the lead singer had to pull out of the event due to a combination of COVID concerns and a severe mental health crisis. And oh, that's we, not good. and we hope he gets better. And like they, they, they spent time on stage honoring him and I'll give him that honor here too. I hope he gets better. I hope he's doing well. Um, I really hope they come back to Chicago and can keep doing shows. But because of that, Rise Against decided to fill in. And they 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 gave the classic clerks line, we weren't even supposed to be here today because they had no point. They weren't even supposed to be at the festival. They had just played at Northerly Island a few weeks ago. But they came out and gave one of the most soulful expe- uh, performances I've seen from them. They knew they had just played a set a couple days ago. And they knew they were going to be playing a slightly shorter set in Chicago. So they just brought out exclusively the highlights and a couple new songs. But they were just hitting hard. They were telling a story about how when they filmed the Give It All music video, they filmed it. And if you haven't seen it, please go watch the Rise Against uh, Give It All video. If you're from Chicago, it was shot on the brown line. If you're not from Chicago, it was shot on the train. Most of the people that were on the train that weren't part of the band were legitimately surprised and just took it into the video. And it is one of the most incredible, like, honorships to, like, young, the the punk scene of Chicago. And it's a great, it has, like, some great bits that relate to a couple of full movies. But it was, it was really a special experience being in a place that was all about Chicago with these bands singing about and being about Chicago. And it showed really the power and the presence that that crowd has and the reverence we have for the things that come from our city. Um, And that's my number one. And that was like the most important thing for me about Riot Fest is it's not just remembering the love of live music and how important it is and why it was worth going to that show in this time period right now in 2021. It was, it was more than worth it because being with, my city again, being with my people again in that crowd was bar none to anything. We, you know, we, we, we saw, we were at rampage when CM Punk returned, we were at dynamite and those were all in Chicago and we were with our people, but that wasn't Chicago at its purest. Chicago at its purest is standing in Douglas park or standing at Northerly Island or standing at Grant park or like last Saturday night, standing in the tiny video venue, the subterranean being purely themselves. And seeing local bands from here play on giant sold-out stages is just such a beautiful moment. Um, It should never be forgotten, and no one should ever undervalue the dramatic importance that live music gives to a huge city of people. Obviously not the same level as you, but I also noticed, and this is one of my points, number three, Mm. is that when you're on these long hikes you i i put the further you go the nicer the people yep but <laughs> yeah, in I a agree. way it's there's some sort of unwritten kinship between people who are hiking these trails when you're 
20 mm-hmm. miles in. And of course you're surrounded by the shoebies or whatever who just drive in. But yeah. when you're on those long roads or long trails and then you find a stopping point, it's like, hey, there's those people from yesterday or two days yeah. ago. What are they up to? There is a certain level of kinship you feel mm-hmm. with them and a certain level of familiarity. On day two, we were hiking down the mountain and we look and we see people who were camping with us earlier that day but left an hour earlier. And we see them from like a mile away. And it's just sort of like a comforting sign of like, yeah. oh, hey, you know, you're not you're, you're not alone out here on this trail. It's like a, it's like an old friend that's around you. Yeah. Well, the, in the Chicago music scene, I have a whole community of people that I'm like, I would call myself like friends with, but I only ever see them at shows. The only experience we have is like, oh, yeah, you were there. We know what's up. Yeah, I, I, I have that at wrestling. There are these yep. two guys or two kids, kind of. I, I first saw them when they were in, like, high school, and they were going to PWG, and they saw me at the GCW show a few oh, weeks yeah. ago. I didn't have a chance to really talk to them, but it was scary at first because I look similar-ish, but they filled out a ton and i was like oh my god i did not recognize you guys i i was concerned because they knew my name oh god yeah um, that is a weird experience yeah that, that like the like yeah. hey i remember you from three years ago how it's going on like there was a guy i that i ran into in the in the uh rise against pit and me and him have run into each other at so many shows but like he like ran up and like gave me a hug in the middle of the set and i was like who the fuck oh you <laughs> Right. So something we learned come day three is that it's better to leave your pack than take the easy route. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were lucky on Catalina because they did have an option where you could get your packs driven over to the next camp location. And by day three, we had a choice. We could either take our backpacks and take the fire road. Yep to our next location which was not too hard but kind of boring or we could take you know another hundred something feet of elevation and go from sea level up to the top of a mountain cross to another mountain and then walk back down to sea level oh yeah and we took the mountain route hell really because rebecca really wanted to and so i capitulated for her but it was worth it yeah, I bet it was. It was definitely worth it because the vistas of being at the top of a mountain and just seeing mm-hmm. everything below you and seeing where you just were like 20 minutes ago, half, oh, man. like halfway down the trail, is truly mind-blowing. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that I can only fucking imagine. Like, is That one was a real sense of accomplishment. And because we took the packs off, we felt like fucking supermen because we're like, oh, my God, look at us. We went higher than we did the first day. Yeah, look, look like what we achieved. Like twice as fast. Like, look at that. So once we got the packs off, the rest of the trip was a lot easier. easier. Well, weight is the biggest thing in hiking. It's like the it's amount of It's not the of biggest weight. thing in hiking. Uh, I would say elevation gain per square foot probably is. I don't Just know. Because I feel, you, I feel like, like that elevation gain, the difference between that same hike with no weight on your back versus 20 pounds of weight and versus 30 pounds. I think those experiences are drastically different. I with, mean, they are with long but, distances in mind. But at the same time, like if you have a trail that's steep enough that you need hiking poles for it, which these were, mm-hmm. it's like that changes how you even approach it. 
True. Whereas weight just makes things harder. Yeah, it's yeah, so the, the difficulty it, it, increase. It's two different things really, but uh so we made it down day th- that was day three and that was our shortest hike we did the whole thing in about three and a half hours mm-hmm. and there we spent the night at two harbors which is also where we would ferry out so our last two nights we stayed at two harbors mm-hmm. we left our camping supplies for our last day where only rebecca and i because our two friends they Bitches. were tired and wanted a beach day and one of them got an ear infection and vertigo holy shit what yeah uh um, yeah, you guys almost died that's so what I'm, we that's what hiked I'm the final 14 miles but it was a flat pretty much trail it was really cool because we went in and out of these coves several oh, wow. hundred feet above sea level so just imagine you know seven miles there and back so about six of those miles were along the coast and it's especially cool right now because you see out in the distance, there's all those freights that can't unload. Oh, yeah. At the L.A. Harbor. They're literally, you see them out in the distance, just dozens of these freighters, which oh, is that's wild. Incredible. You see all these little camps, which feel like cult camps, all of them. Mm-hmm. There's one of them called KELP, the Catalina Exploration Leadership Program okay. that only had four, like, early 20-somethings that one of them was playing a ukulele and one of them was exercising with those long like silk drapes that you hang off of oh yeah the aerial the aerial lines. yeah and we're like that's probably a cult it felt like a cult, oh it was definitely you know? a cult but that one on the way back we we made it to the last campsite parsons landing Mm-hmm. And then we were walked back and good God, Matt, we made it to where we had about five miles left. Yeah. And both of us were like, all right, if we stop moving, we might not be able yep. to stand up again. Yeah, Just you, you, that level of soreness and pain was strange because it's oh. different. It's a different type of tiredness. Yeah. It's not like this hurts. It's like, this doesn't hurt too much, but I just cannot move. Yeah, you know what will happen if you stop. It's like a... Right. It's like, it's yeah, it's not pain. It's like the realization that your body could stop. We did the first seven miles, and I think it was two and a half hours. And then the last seven miles back, exact same terrain, took about twice that length. Oh, Wow. Yeah, maybe not quite twice, but, but I, it, it definitely it, felt it took, like it. I'm it was sure. way up there. Um, but that does lead to my last point, which is in spite of all of the pain, it is worth it for having said that you've done it and for having this sort of experience because it really is something you don't experience otherwise. Oh, Even yeah. if you go camping for like a night or two, there's really nothing like being unchained and being on an island mm-hmm. and just. The only thing you have to worry about, well, I also had to answer work emails when I was at high enough elevation to get email, uh, internet access. But beyond that, (laughs) you know, just 40 miles of hiking and you sort of get in the zone past a certain point. Oh, yeah, you have to. And it's worth it just to say, like, I hiked an entire fucking mountain myself. I climbed like five fucking mountains and I climbed down all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And then right you back know, up the and next I, one. I, and I pushed myself past what I thought my limit was. Yeah, that's you human. Know, it's, 
it's not something that I would be keen on doing again anytime soon, but it's something <laughs> yeah. where I'm very, very glad I got to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely a very memorable experience. Well, that that just means one day, Ben, you and I are going to need to go through hike the Colorado Trail together. As only... long as the elevation is less than 1,000 feet per mile. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we can make that true for for parts of the, the route. It only takes four <laughs> to six weeks to do. You know, Matt, I'm I'm gonna put that in my ideas bin. All right, which all also right. doubles as my campfire. Oh, nice. Okay, I'm glad to be a part of your your energy. Yeah, we also over the course of the trip, and this is where I think we'll end it. You you work in a bit of that delirium from camping. And I got hiking feeling right for several now. days in a row. We came up with an idea. Okay. Where for me, I think the most disgusting name for a commonly eaten potato chip is sour cream and onion. Mm, right. Okay. I think that's All a right. dumb name. So we workshopped a new idea, Matt. What do you think tastes better? Sour cream and onion. It's the same chip, by the way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Same. Same base. Sour cream and onion. Okay. Or zippy chive dip. I'd much rather have sour cream and onion than zippy chive dip. Zippy What's chive wrong with sounds, zippy chive dip? It sounds like it's going to taste like plastic. Like, it's it sounds horrifically artificial. I don't know what I'm about to eat. And I don't like chives as much as I like onions. Okay, so we've or heard these ideas cream. before, but we've decided to ignore them. Okay. Over the course of the trip, we built up an entire brand oh, for zip-tato okay. chips. Zip tato chips sounds like something. We've been workshopping some ideas. Fallout. We're going to eventually open up a theme park called the Zip Zone. And the mascot is a giant zipper named Zippy. The Zippy costume character will be a giant zipper. The head will be at the bottom, of course, because it'll be shaped like an exclamation point. The zipper will. And then the little hook will be the person's head. And because their head's on the ground, they'll have to crawl along the ground. They also have uh, yellow contacts in their eyes. Okay. They only say, I'm Zippy. And they hide around the park to surprise park patrons where they crumble up Ziptato chips and spray them on you. Oh. If you find Zippy and surprise him... He will let out a piercingly shrill scream and run away. Zippy also hides behind buildings, will surprise you from a zip line, and will hide inside the air vent. And all he'll say is, I'm Zippy, and spread potato chips all over you. He has a pet called Zipped Up which is theoretically a cat that's inside a potato sack and is struggling to get out. If you... There are warnings at the Zip Zone for special Zippy. And if you do not buy the special Ziptato chips with their dips, which are Zip Dip, Zip Zip Dip, Zippy Dip, Zip Zippy Dip or Zip Zip Zippy Dip, which we do not explain what any of those taste like. If you do not buy those to gain access to the special zip free zone, 
then you will have to participate in special zippy, which we will not disclose what that is. Every time there's a full moon, zippy will show up. They're a group of zippies, by the way. It's sort of like a zippy army. Zippy will show up at the top of the hill in front of the moon and he will play his signature fiddle. And the theme music for the park is xylophone based. Well, like a bag over my head that's been zipped shut and completely isolated from oxygen, I'm starting to drown. And, you know, sometimes your first idea is a good one. And sometimes your second idea continues to be all right. And then you really fumble it on the third idea. But I can tell, Ben, that that was your fourth idea. And the fourth time was the charm for you and everyone on your trip. I'm zippy. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody zippy. Good morning. Follow us, like us, talk to us.